Big moves down in US shares this morning because a bunch of major retailers have reminded investors that inflation is a thing, their margins are getting squeezed, and their profit expectations will take a hit. Add to that China lockdowns that seemingly will never end, big inflation numbers for the UK and Canada, and Aussie labour market data today as well. So there's quite a bit going on. It's Thursday, the 19th of May, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Yes, stocks are really heading south again, a 4.7% drop in the NASDAQ, 4.2% down for the S&P 500 and 3.6% for the Dow at close. Less severe in Europe, but still going south, a 1.4% drop in the Euro stocks 50 and 1.1% down for the FTSE 100. The 11 basis point fall in 10-year treasuries, down to 2.88%. Little movement at the front end of the yield curve, though. Again, less severe moves in Europe. Most countries have seen a two basis point drop in uh, 10-year bonds. The US dollar is rising again. It's up half a percent on the DXY, but it's down 0.9% on the Japanese yen. Still, with that rising US dollar, we've seen a 0.8% fall in the euro. The pound is down 1.3%. The Aussie has lost 1.1%, down to 69.5 US cents. And oil today is falling, not rising. We've got a 2.3% drop in Brent, a 2.8% drop for WTI. Again, both just around $109, just over $109 now, both about the same. Uh, Ray Atwell joins us this morning from NAB in Sydney, back again, and we're Back to inflation fears again, Ray, and uh, you know it had been forgotten for a day or two. And equities uh, getting hit by retailers concerned about inflation and supplies. So uh, Walmart yesterday beat on revenue, but uh, lost out on earnings. So their earnings per share was well below expectation. So they took a hit for that. Then today we got a massive fall in the Target, the Target share price, as uh, they warned that their margins could be hit further as well. So all of a sudden, everyone's reminding the share market, "Hey, inflation, it's a thing." It is. Good morning, Phil. Nice to be back. And um, yeah, I think it's probably worth a timely reminder that for all of us supposed pointy heads and sophisticated commentators who tend to look at underlying inflation measures, so stripping out some of the things that have gone up in price, um, you know, when you when you go shopping, it's the headline inflation numbers that reflect supposedly reflect the the real basket of, of goods and services that uh, the average um, person in the street consumes and so you know look at the uk yesterday nine percent headline mm. inflation um not a surprise and obviously driven in large part by the impact of that um lifting of the off-gen cap on uh, utility prices that was worth almost all of the jump from seven percent to nine percent uh, but it just highlights the real hit to real incomes that are, are coming through. And that's, as I showed through, um, you know, particularly with, uh, say, Target um, after Walmart previously, as you've mentioned, and Lowe's, I think, also. So, you know, consumer staple or the, you know, the, the big box retailers that are the notorious for, for consumer staples and to some extent consumer discretionaries really, I think, starting to feel the, the, the pinch, as you say, the margin squeeze that's coming through. So people have simply got less money to spend on stuff, you know, particularly when they're being hit with the kind of energy price bills that uh, are most evident in the UK, but obviously not exclusively mm. so. Yeah, well, Mervyn King, Lord King, uh, the former governor of the uh, the Bank of England, has uh, been pretty critical of the speed at which the bank has been uh, t- trying to tackle inflation. He said uh, overnight, the idea that an interest rate of 1%, when w- wages are rising at anywhere between 5 and 7%, the idea that that's going to have much impact on the inflation rate is really very strange, he said. But, I mean, you know, the the question is, I mean, how how high does he expect them to go when we know it's a, it's a supply chain problem that we're facing? That's right. No, I tend to see 
those comments as um, you know maybe one from the cheap seats, and then think about you know why are central banks being forced to raise uh, interest rates because they've got they've realised that they've got to dampen demand. You know, however much this rise in inflation is being driven by supply shortages, um, it does mean that there is a huge gap between demand and supply. The UK, you know, Bank of England's response is to say we've got a massive hit to real incomes, so there is going to be you know a massive suppression of demand simply because people have got you know less money to spend on the things that they need to spend. So in a way, that that real income hit almost sows you know our view would be it does sow the seeds of inflation's own destruction to some extent and on wages to the extent that wages are still significantly lagging the increase in headline inflation rates they're not in themselves you know inherently inflationary or they're not adding to inflation pressures sure if we if we start to see you know systemic so annual um, wage demands that are being granted at, at four or five percent that's clearly incompatible with uh, inflation targets uh, with a, with a two in front of them but um, for the time being where we are seeing high high wages they're still running well behind headline inflation rates so i'm i'm less concerned that these so-called second round effects uh, are very much in evidence at this stage. Well, yeah, I mean, which brings us nicely onto the uh, the wage price data for Australia yesterday, because uh, that was, well, pretty low, wasn't it? 0.7% quarter on quarter. Uh, I know that that's pretty much what the RBA was expecting, wasn't it? So, as you say, we're not seeing any acceleration in the uh, uh, in in wages. So, therefore, you'd assume we're not going to see any acceleration in the, in the speed of rate rises. Well, that would be one takeaway. I think that uh, we're certainly a little bit more comfortable that the, the quarter point increments are going to be the way that the uh, the RBA will proceed for the time being. But uh, no, the reality is that, um, you know, we know that the RBA significantly downgraded, um, you know, its previous sort of adherence to, um, you know, a slavish uh, focus on the WPI as the main arbiter of wage pressures. Um, you know, they've been telling anybody who wants to know that uh, their liaison um, officers are reporting, you know, broad-based evidence of, of, of wages that are, you know, knocking on uh, the door of at least three percent. I think one of the statistics that uh, that they cited was something like fifty-five percent of of a firm surveyed um, in the liaison program were planning to pay wage rises of more than three percent, and clearly that shone through in, uh, in in the likes of the NAB business survey, for example. So, um, so it is, this is a very lagging indicator, I think. And remember that the Q1 numbers effectively reflect activity in February, and here we are, you know, at the back end of May. So, it, so in that sense, I think you know the RBA is completely. Uh, justified in saying that uh, these are no longer you know the best indicator of, of the current state of play as far as wages is concerned but well, um, when when but you know when the headline number is still you know in, in less than two and a half percent you know it, mm. it, it does make it optically difficult to suddenly say oh we need to start raising rates by 40 or 50 basis points well, in a why single is it so much lower is it just australia is uh, moving slower and 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 they're going to pick up is it just you know australia's a bit slow to the party or is there something else at play here one thing i did I did notice that you know it's a lot of it is individuals, isn't it? Bargaining for higher wages rather than uh, any form of collective bargaining, and that, that sort of kind of makes sense because if inflation's running high, then individuals, if you're on the tight labour market, obviously it's the individuals who are going to be saying, "Well, if you don't uh, if you don't give me a, a wage that uh, meets inflation, I'm going to look for a job elsewhere." <laughs> 
No, that, that's true to some extent. I mean, the other thing is just the whole structure of the wage bargaining process and, uh, you know, the, the, the extent to which, you know, public sector wages, you know, are still in a significantly lagging uh, inflation. Mm. And, and um, so that will take time to come through. And, um, you know, let's see what happens post the uh, the election. But um, you know, certainly there's no there's no obvious signs there that the public sector pay is suddenly going to rocket higher. But also when it comes to, uh, you know, to those uh, employees that are subject to awards or annual wage bargaining process, it's really going to be, you know, probably not until Q3 this year uh, before we see, you know, the upward impact that that may have on, uh, on on wage rates. So again, just plays to the fact that I think that these uh, these Q1 numbers are, are very much lagging uh, what ha- what has been happening or what is happening now uh, and what may be the case in, in three or six months uh, looking so forward. the RBA is going to be a lot more interested than in the year that the labour market data for Australia today, sure. more than, mm. yeah. Yeah. So and what's that going to what are we expecting there? Well, it was uh, it's expected to see unemployment with a three in front of it. And, um, you know, I was just trying to uh, rub the sleepy dust out of my eyes and remind myself the last time we had unemployment below 4%. And uh, my chart only goes back to 1979. Uh, and we haven't had a, a sub 4% print. Uh, during that time, we got very, very close uh, back in when 2000 uh, or just uh, prior to the global financial crisis, didn't we? So, um, you know, the yeah. NAB economists who um, picked the WPI uh, number exactly yesterday are saying we could see 3.8% today down from 4% in the previous month. And, and one of the reasons for saying that, that it was it was a low 4%. It was 3.95 to two decimal places. So, you know, the rounding barrier is not that uh, it's not that big to cross us into 38 Eight. Consensus is, is 3.9. And also we've got a slightly above consensus 40K uh, projection for uh, employment. I think that the market uh, consensus is something to, something like 30. So if we do get a, a number of uh, 40 or more on the employment rate, then given that, as I say, we're coming off a 3.95, it wouldn't be surprising you know, if we can see that, uh, that, that first decimal place number printing 3.8 today. Yeah, well, it's, it's fantastic that they are so accurate. But uh, of course, uh, a year ago, was anyone actually saying, hey, the world over, we're going to see a tight labour market and run away inflation. Uh, It just came from nowhere, didn't it? Uh, Look, Canada, 6.2%, nowhere near the UK's 9% inflation, but it's still a 30-year high for them. That was their number yesterday. Unlike the UK, this was actually more than expected. I guess that means the Bank of uh, Canada could do more, although, you know, the market's already expecting they're going to hike rates by 50 basis points at their next meeting. Surely they can't do more than that. I don't think they're going to do more than that. And uh, similarly to uh, the comments that we've had from uh, Fed Chair Powell, um, mm. uh, Tiff Macklem, the uh, the governor, has sort of said that 75 is, uh, you know, it's not really on the cards at this stage. But, you know, that said, that sort of, you know, that, that there's a myriad of Canadian inflation numbers, but the, the core numbers, you know, just contradicting myself about the significance of those relative to the headline numbers were all, you know, significantly higher than expected. So um, they're expected to be unchanged or slightly lower on the on the March numbers, but in fact, you know, they've shot up the average number, I think it's 4.2, which is up uh, from the high threes last time, as you say, headline inflation 6.2. So, you know, as with the US, I think for the next meeting or two, you know, 50 basis points is uh, looks to be pretty much baked in the cake. So what is uh, Switzerland's secret then? Because they've got inflation at 2.3%. They, they, their interest rates are minus 0.75%. Their governor, Thomas Jordan, the National Bank governor there, uh, has said, you know, he doesn't see any reason to, to move it until they see any signs of uh, of inflation picking up. Uh, it seems a bit bizarre because you would have thought Switzerland would be very high on a uh, high reliance on international trade. You know, you could argue uh, that they'd, they'd have it worse than most, but it seems like they're oblivious to it all. 
Yeah, I must admit, I'm not uh, right across the intricacies of, of underlying inflation. But, um, you know, certainly the strength of the Swiss franc has been something. I mean, that's really the way that sort of monetary policy is conducted, you know, with an eye to the uh, the strength or otherwise of the Swiss franc. But actually, I thought that um, Thomas Jordan did uh, give a hint of hawkishness overnight. He did say that we are ready to act. Um, and I think we will be seeing some sort of rise in headline inflations there. But the reality is that the, uh, the SNB, you know, will probably be lagging the ECB but not by very much. So with the ECB right. turning, they pretty much completed the pivot, I would say, yesterday with the comments we saw from Olly Ryan, um, yes. you know, saying that we need to act quickly and we need to get off the negative rate, uh, that negative rate to handle uh, fairly quickly. And then effectively, the SNB tends to lag the ECB, but not by very much. So if the ECB is going to be positive by the end of the year, then the SNB is not going to keep its minus 0.75% policy rate uh, in place. So I think uh, some movement from the SNB in the second half of the year is looking increasingly likely. So it's not the uh, the basket of currencies. It's not what they put in that basket for measuring CPI in Switzerland. It's not because it's, you know, chocolate, cuckoo clocks, army knives, fondue mm. sets, stereotyping uh, much. No. Well, also, uh, look, also uh, a lot of inelastic <laughs> goods, high-end engineering goods, for example. So, ah, um, right. you know, so uh, okay. there's a lot of things that uh, you can't live without a lathe and you can't live without chocolate. So um, it's a little bit price insensitive, I'd suggest. <laughs> right now, look, China lockdowns, we said they weren't going to last. I mean, they are coming out of it in Shanghai very slowly, very slowly. Like, uh, you know, I think they've got rules that one person per household can go out and buy groceries, but can't be out for more than four hours at a time and can only go out every other day. That's coming out of lockdown. Uh, but, you know, if you've been locked up for weeks, maybe that's a good thing. But they're seeing more cases in Beijing now, 69 new cases on Tuesday, uh, which doesn't sound a lot, but it is as far as they're concerned. And it's spreading to other regions as well, which could hit production further. So it's not good news in China. I suspect that's hit sentiment as well today a bit. No, it has, certainly has. And, uh, you know, I think the contrast between, you know, um, you know, March, April 2020 in terms of the speed of the rebound, um, you know, that's nowhere to be seen, is it? So, uh, you know, even if restrictions are released, you're going to see a huge amount of volunteers. Uh, distancing continuing for quite some time. So the idea of this, you know, steep V-shaped snapback in activity in, uh, in, in China, I think, is, is no more than a pipe dream at this stage. And is that going to keep on hitting the Aussie dollar or is it is the damage being done now? And, uh, you know, whatever the whatever it's doing to the one is it, it, the, the impact on the Aussie is going to be less. So the Aussie is just taking moving with risk sentiment generally. Well, I think a lot of the impact on the Aussie has been felt from that run up in the dollar CMY rate from 640 up to uh, just above 680 that we've seen as the US dollar came back a little bit earlier in the week. Uh, it did pull that down a little bit and maybe helped Aussie you know, get back onto that 70 handle. But if there's more weakness ahead for CMY, which they think there is, you know, certainly up to, to something close to seven, uh, that probably uh, almost certainly means that we're not yet done with the downside on, on Aussie against the US dollar. Well, we get uh, Japan's trade data today. We saw their GDP fall 1% annualised yesterday, of course, so it'll be interesting to see what those trade numbers show. The Philly Fed manufacturing survey in the US, existing home sales likely to fall. Uh, the weekly job claims, are we are very interested in those a while back, but uh, we know the labour market's tight, so maybe there's not too much that we can glean from that. Anything to add, Ray, quickly before we go? No, I think so. no, I think the pick of the crop would probably be the Philly Fed. Obviously, we had that weak empire survey, so um, you know we've been saying ad nausea that the weakness in things like China PMIs, you know, count fast forward two to three months it tends to show up in other parts of the world so whether we see a repetition of, uh, of the earlier weakness in the first of those regional surveys i think will be uh, the, the pick of the crop probably offshore tonight and i see those ukrainian fighters who've been holed up in the uh, steel, steel plant in mariupol 
have surrendered. So that's a, perhaps a bit of a victory for Putin. But I'm not a military strategist. I don't know what happens next in, in that war. But obviously, that's uh, something we have to watch as well, because that has a big influence on everything we've talked about today. Good to talk, Ray. Good to have you back. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. Well done. Thanks, Phil. And that's how everything is this Thursday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again tomorrow morning. I'll see you then. Have a great day.